Welcome to the Further Light Podcast, presented by Wisconsin Freemasonry, helping you accomplish your Masonic goals through education and more light. And now, I present to you, Brother Chris Lutke. Listeners, scholars, brothers, this is Brother Chris Litke, and today I want to explore the winding stairs. Now, we've dealt with just about every symbol tied to this part of our teachings, and yet we have not dealt with the overall form. It's like looking at a painting and understanding the parts, but there's no frame. There's nothing to reference it to, or the elements the pieces of the painting are not actually attached to a canvas. Odd visual, but bear with me. So, what I want to do today is examine this part of our teachings. And it's one of the most recognizable symbols of Freemasonry. This flight of winding stairs consisting of three, five, and seven steps that take the candidate on this journey towards the middle chamber. Now, this lecture is fantastic. It It's an opportunity to take the candidate on this interactive journey around the room. It's one of the most interactive parts of masonry. Along the way, we have the opportunity to impact or impart some Masonic history and lore and impress upon the candidate some of the deep meanings of this degree. Personally, I find it to be one of the most beautiful of the Masonic degree lectures. The thing is, I don't actually give the lecture because I've found it hard to memorize. It's brilliant to hear. It is, has incredible lessons in it. I've just never been able to put it together. I'll get there. But personally, this has had a massive impact on me. When I first became a Mason, going back to 2004, December of 2004, I went through this, and a brother by the name of Worshipful Jim Fleming, Worshipful Brother Jim Fleming, at Oconomowoc Heartland Lodge in Wisconsin, gave me this teaching. And as a result of this teaching, I went to grad school and studied art history and history, and I probably wouldn't have done it if not for this. It tends to be a really impactful thing, and to me, more than many, because most people don't go off to grad school based on a lecture, but hey, what the heck, we all do our thing. So my goal here is to continue in the current quest to explore the winding stairs. Rather than looking at specific teachings, what I want to do is look at the form and meaning of the stairs overall. So of course, we're all familiar with the idea of the stairs. We're asked to ascend these stairs. Each step, each set of steps has symbolism and meaning, which we've talked about. And at the end, we find ourselves at the middle chamber. But rarely do we really look at what the form means. In fact, it's something we kind of jump over, like so many other things that we cover in this podcast. As with anything, let's start with the history, so we get some context of what we're talking about. 
Now, historical evidence regarding King Solomon's temple and this staircase is confined to 1 Kings chapter 6. Now, taking from the King James Bible, of course, anytime you deal with the Bible, you have to deal with which translation, which form. So, this is the King James Bible. We hear, quote, The door for the middle chamber was in the right side of the house, and they went up with winding stairs into the middle chamber and out of the middle chamber into the third. The third referring to the Holy of Holies. They're talking about how the temple is laid out. Now, the original Hebrew presents great difficulties in translation, and this, added to corrections and additions, leaves the subject of the winding stairs in some doubt. Remember, parts of the Bible have been translated between six and eight different languages over their history because they're very, very old. So, what are we looking at? We're probably looking at, based on other temples in the area during the period, typically built by the Phoenicians. Remember Hiram, king of Tyre, Phoenician, because Tyre is a Phoenician colony. What we tend to see is in historical discussions of Solomon's temple, the stairs are generally believed to be a short staircase, maybe one to three steps into a slightly elevated middle chamber. The assumption is usually that they're straight, not a winding staircase, because that doesn't typically happen in these temples uh, when you're looking back 1000 BCE, but hey, what the heck? There are no historical examples at present of winding stairs into a temple or into part of a temple. Generally, they're straight. They are utilitarian, and they allow for one person to look into a section. So it is possible that they would do this if they don't want someone being able to view into, for example, the middle chamber. And there are reasons for that, and I won't get into them here. The height is symbolic. So the reason you're using stairs is to increase your height, and this would be symbolic of increasing importance. So that chamber is more important than the exterior. It's also a transition from the profane to the sacred. It becomes closer to the heavens. There's a lot of different possibilities, and we see this in quite a few different societies in that area. Now, reference is made to an advance through a porch by a flight of winding stairs to a middle chamber there to receive his wages. The details very clearly give a winding staircase leading from the porch entrance up through the temple sanctuary to the upper floors. Now, this reference contains several specific and positive statements that we are asked to accept as fact. They are, first of all, that there is a flight of winding stairs in King Solomon's temple, which I already addressed as possibly problematic. Two, that it is approached through an entranceway from the porch. Okay, by the way, defining the porch is problematic in the case of Solomon's temple, but whole different issue again. Three, that the workmen on the building ascended these stairs to receive their wages in the middle chamber, which wouldn't have existed until near the finish and, well, is problematic. I mean, it seems obvious that Solomon, the archetypal form of biblical wisdom within our degrees, would not have permitted any practice so time-wasting, uneconomical, as sending many thousand workmen up a flight of stairs to a small middle chamber to receive their wages, which had to be brought up in advance only to be carried down in small lots by each individual. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So, 
In that case, we kind of look at this and we find that the writers of the ritual were probably more interested in the dramatic effect on the candidate than they are in historical accuracy. And that's fine. We see that a lot. Now, while we're talking about the history, let's also talk about the history of the number of stairs. Today, the winding stairs have 15 steps. At first, before 1700, there were actually no steps. One passes from the columns to the G. In the early 1700s, the early 18th century, we see five or seven steps, depending on who you're reading and, in some cases, illustrations that we find from the period. Pritchard, for example, in his Masonry Dissected of about 1730, states that there are seven steps. Now, Preston, our friend William Preston, who turns up a lot, in his Illustrations of Masonry, which is published between 1772 and 1812, uses 36 steps. Now, this violates the principles of those who follow the teachings of Pythagoras, because when you add up 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, you get 36, which is an even number, and the thing is, Pythagoras and others consider odd numbers to be a symbol of perfection. So, that would be problematic, having 36. Even Vitruvius, famous Roman architect, will write and remarks that the ancient temples were always ascended by an odd number of steps. And his reasoning, back in ancient times, was that commencing with the right foot at the bottom, the worshiper would find the same foot foremost when he entered. In the classical world, the left is seen as lesser than the right. You want to enter with the right foot. After all, look at the Latin name for left, sinister, or sinister. So it becomes interesting. William Finch, when he writes, talks about a staircase of three, five, and seven steps because three rules a lodge, five holds a lodge, and seven makes it perfect. Referring to three rule a lodge because of the three grand masters, five hold a lodge because of both the senses and orders, and seven makes it perfect because of the liberal arts and sciences. So let's talk about the form. Why winding? Now, there's deep symbolism in the fact that the stairs do, in fact, wind. A single stairway, of course, hides no mystery, nor any secret. However, the winding stairs obscures whatever is waiting for us just around the corner. To climb the winding stairs implies that we must exercise courage, determination, and above all else, faith. Because we have no idea what waits for us around the next corner, both in the stairs or in life. The winding stairs lead us into the middle chamber via the unpredictability of life. Of course, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. So man climbs to new realms of civilization and spiritual enlightenment by following this staircase. Each must climb on his own. Your experience is vastly different from that of someone else. And we must climb with courage. We must have faith because you need to have faith that there's something there at the end. By the same token, we have to climb for the winding stairs do in fact lead somewhere. There is this metaphorical middle chamber in my example here. There are wages to be earned by, worthy, by the worthy brother, and he's climbing in faith because he believes. 
So the winding stairs ties and disciplines a man's soul. He must believe, otherwise why continue? Why keep climbing if you don't have a goal? If there's not something there for you at some point? Yes, sort of intrinsic self-motivation is a thing, and I understand that, but at the same time, usually even that self-motivation is a goal in and of itself. So he must climb in faith that there is a summit. And when he sincerely undertakes that climb, he has to believe that he will eventually reach this coveted goal. Of course, all of this is symbolic of the struggles and successes inherent in life. No one knows whether the top of the pinnacle will ever be reached. But nonetheless, one keeps moving upward in faith and hope through life, this winding staircase where you don't know what's coming next, to that middle chamber. His ultimate goal can be reached. That's why we present it in the way we do, giving hope that there is a goal that it can be reached. Now, in terms of the three flights, why is it broken into three? Well, again, Finch talks about having three, five, and seven. We get into the odd numbers by Pythagoras and Vitruvius. The idea of odd numbers is really important in masonry. The numbers three, five, and seven repeat throughout parts of masonry. So it really does make sense. And it's emblematic of all sorts of different ideas. So let's look at the some overall interpretations of the winding stairs. One of the first being the ages of man. In this case, not strictly youth, manhood, and age, but something slightly different. We also travel up the winding stairs of life, climbing steadily from our birth to youth, then manhood, and ultimately ascending towards the sanctum sanctorum where our soul finds rest in old age. We may note that the entered apprentice stands, as it were, within the door of the temple. Like the child, like primitive man, he must be content for the moment with imperfect knowledge and limited skill. Then he mounts the winding stairs, and his ascent teaches him more about masonry, of its aims, and of the means through which these aims can be realized. As he stands in the middle chamber, he looks forward to further enlightenment and to the increased power such enlightenment could give. He's like the youth with the promise and potency of full man still before him. So the three flights are hard to interpret as the three ages of man. However, interpreting the stairs as one part of that journey, really interpreting it as an allegory of manhood or adulthood, does fit the overall teachings of the degrees. Then we could look at his self-improvement or growth, my personal favorite. Now, according to Mackey, the candidate then, in the second degree of masonry, represents a man starting forth on the journey of life, with the great task before him of self-improvement. So, there it is. I could just wrap it up there, but let's keep going. For the faithful performance of this task, a reward is promised. Which reward consists in the development of all of his intellectual faculties, the moral and spiritual elevation of his character, and the acquisition of truth and knowledge. So, this would be looking at the stairs as self-improvement. The FC is one of action, upward movement, climbing on the rungs of knowledge to and through the seven liberal arts. The degree is emblematic of the struggle of life, not only materially, but spiritually. The adventurous climb is not meant 
for the lazy, for those who are happy with where they are, but rather it's for the fighters, for those who are interested in growth and development. After all, who are we once we stop growing and developing? The fellow craft must be well-equipped with courage because the achievement really is worth fighting for. Eventually, he proceeds through the seven liberal arts, where he will find divine laws by which the great architect creates, preserves, and rules the universe in which we are fortunate enough to live. Thus, it appears in the winding stairs that the winding stairs represent the progress of an inquiring mind and a sincere heart through the toils and labors of intellect in acquiring an understanding of the sciences displayed upon the steps. Growth. Learn the liberal arts and grow. This is a preliminary step towards the attainment of divine truths, which every Mason should pursue in his quest for self-improvement on a journey that really never ends. Now, you could look at also as a call to labor. So the candidate finds stretched out before him the winding stairs, a symbol of discipline and instruction, inviting him to ascend and teaching him they must commence his real Masonic labor. Imagine an entered apprentice as a child, but now in manhood you need to actually do something. You have a job. We're handing you a responsibility. Here he enters upon those glorious yet difficult researches in the laborious task of self-improvement now placed before him. He can't stand still. A fellow craft who doesn't try and improve himself, who doesn't begin these labors, is really not a fellow craft. How are you going to advance if you aren't going to take upon yourself certain lessons? His Masonic destiny requires him to ascend the winding stairs, step by step, until he reaches the summit, where the treasure of knowledge is said to await him. For the faithful performance of this task, a reward is promised. In this case, as a call to labor, the reward is improvement of his intellectual faculties, the moral and spiritual elevation of his character, and the acquisition of knowledge and wisdom, preparing him for other things. As we talked about in the seven liberal arts, the seven liberal arts helps one understand divinity and is necessary so that we can observe divinity before truly understanding divinity. Then it's possible that these stairs are giving us this image of required enlightenment before the Master Mason. Now, before I get into this, I should point out that the stairs predate the Master Mason degree. The Master Mason degree, of course, showing up after 1717, and the stairs appear prior to the Master Mason degree. So it's kind of interesting when you start looking at this, how would you prepare for something that isn't there? But let's look at it anyway, because of course things have evolved and changed over time. So in this case, self-improvement is the object as the candidate proceeds on the winding stairs. As he moves up, he attempts to reach wisdom and improve his character. Having reached this point, the candidate is posed for the final step into the third degree, especially at a time where not everyone became a Master Mason. That kind of becomes important. You need to prove yourself before you can become that Master Mason. To the fellow craft, it indicates that he's reached a midpoint of life, wherein he shoulders certain responsibilities. But he is also enjoined to acquire wisdom. 
Because you can't have the wisdom of a master if you don't pick up the knowledge, which is the base of wisdom, somewhere along the line. And so we're giving that to you at that point. So he's trying to get that wisdom. To the candidate, this will signify the attainment of a stage of enlightenment, which entitles him to continue his journey to even greater knowledge. You have to have knowledge. You have to have an understanding before you can move into the perfection and the wisdom of the Master Mason. The Entered Apprentice, we never ask you to do anything. The fellow craft, we do. And one can only assume that Preston and others, when they formulated this section, were doing so to prepare you for something else. Because it wouldn't make sense otherwise. And it could have been originally preparation for moving into your Masonic career before the Master Mason actually exists. And once it exists, then of course you're going to want to make a transition from point A to point B. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. So when we look at this as a whole, many may pass through the Fellowcraft degree and see just a beautiful ceremony, something that attracts our attention but may not supply any lasting food for the soul. The thoughtful Mason sees in the winding stairs a beckoning call for further knowledge. It's incentive to know more of the sublime mysteries and urges him to reach for the middle chamber. The middle chamber here being sort of symbolic of deity. The winding stairs is a progressive series of steps to reach that exalted degree of Master Mason and thereby fit and prepare oneself to reach up to and commune with the divine, whoever the divine is in your worldview. The stairs as a whole are a representation of life, not the physical life of eating, drinking, sleeping, but the mental and spiritual life of both the lodge and the world without, of learning, studying, enlarging mental horizons, increasing the spiritual outlook. The stairs teach us to grow, for only in growth can we discover potential. And think about it. How sad is it when you find someone or you see someone who has taken all of the opportunities that they have and decided that they are not going to grow? This seems like an issue. We are encouraged to grow for a reason. And that growth Masonically seems to connect to becoming closer to the divine. So go out and improve yourself. Go out and do those things that we teach. Study the seven liberal arts. Study the other symbols of the staircase so that you can grow, develop, and eventually, maybe, pass beyond the physical, beyond the intellectual, to begin to understand the spiritual or the divine. Thank you for joining me, Brother Chris Lukey, and the entire Further Light team on your quest to find more light through masonry. Are you interested in learning more about Freemasonry in Wisconsin? Visit wisconsinmasons.org to learn more about masonry and access further educational content and more light. 
Once again, that address is wimasons.org. Any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email us at education at wisconsinmasons.org. And thank you for listening.